0: Welcome to the Green Shoots podcast by Appleyard Lees, a conversation for those who own, manage or protect intellectual property.
1: Welcome to episode 41 of the podcast. This episode is part of South Asian Heritage Month, a celebration of South Asian cultures, histories and communities in the UK, running from the 18th of July to the 17th of August every year. This year, the theme for South Asian Heritage Month is stories to tell. Which aims to empower individuals from Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Bhutan, India, the Maldives, Nepal, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka to share their stories. I'm Rudy Patel, a trainee patent attorney at Appleyard Lees. I'm joined today by four Appleyard Lees team members from across the UK to talk about their South Asian heritage and cultural backgrounds and how their heritage influences their working lives. Also joining us today is part-qualified patent attorney at Apple Yardley's, Manifa Phillips, who will be asking today's questions. Manifa is one of the co-leads of IP and Me, which is a community that supports people from ethnic minority groups who are currently underrepresented in the IP industry.
0: Can I ask people to introduce yourself and the role that you have in IP?
2: I'm Henech. I work in Manchester. I work in patents and trademarks, and I'm a senior IP paralegal.
3: I'm Vishal. I work in the Leeds office. I'm a chartered trademark attorney. We help with brand protection and specifically trademarks, designs, and, and copyright.
1: Hi, I'm Riddy. I'm a trainee patent attorney in the physics, electronics, engineering sector. I've just been here just under a year now, and I work in the Leeds office.
4: My name is Amadeep. I'm a senior IP administrator in the trademarks team in the Halifax office.
1: Hi, I'm Parminder. I
5: am a patent attorney, and I'm a partner at Apple Yardies, and I'm based in the Cambridge office.
0: Thanks. Thanks for introducing yourselves. So, can you tell us about your South Asian heritage and culture? Ridi, would you like to start us off?
1: Yep, mine is pretty mixed. So, my parents are the first generation to come over to the UK. They came by different ways. So my mom came over when she was around 16 because my granddad used to work for the Indian Air Force. And my dad got married to my mom in around 1997 and he came over to the UK. I was born in London, but right now my family is spread over India and the UK and America. So we've got a good mix of people. I can get Lots of flights and go to lots of different places and have free accommodation, which is fantastic. Culturally, I'd say I live in a very Indian household. All the foods are there, all the strictness is there as well. And I think my family is kind of caught in the middle of the tradition that they were raised in back home in India. And they're also like trying to bring in the culture in England into our family life?
2: I'm um, similar to, to Riddhi, really, same same kind of circumstances. My mum and dad are from Gujarat in India. They came over in the 60s. Well, my, my dad was actually, went from India to Kenya and then to the UK, whereas my mum came directly from India to the UK. And same as Riddhi, really, really traditional at home. We We kind of observe most of the religious kind of events that happen in the Hindu calendar, which is many, I think in 2023, there's about 37 religious days. So there's a lot to observe, but yeah, yeah, it's, I can totally relate to trying to balance kind of the Western influence of life into kind of more traditional kind of lifestyle, I guess.
3: So very similar to Hema and, and Riddy, uh my parents weren't born in the UK. My, my dad was born in, in Tanzania. My mum was born in Uganda. I was born in, in Leeds as a, as a British Indian. My parents are Gujarati. They came to the UK with not very much money. They had to work hard. And, and unfortunately, I think our generation has, has been very, very kind of lucky in a sense.
4: My dad was born here. My mum was born in India. I come from like a Punjabi background. Yeah, so my mum came over in the 90s, so there's always been like a bit of a culture balance between my mother and my father, because he was born here, so he adopted the British culture quite early throughout his youth, but my mother still had a mainly Indian culture, so that's probably helped in harmonising a divide essentially within our household. It's interesting, I think, to have a culture from like a Punjabi background and the English background because essentially you live like two different lives between your household and when you go to work or when you go out
5: so my background is quite similar to other people's already been mentioned on the call I was born in the UK in London quite a long time ago I think probably I'm one of the oldest people on this call. (laughs) But my parents moved to the UK in the 70s. So my mum was born and raised in Kenya. Her family moved over to Kenya a long time ago. So they were quite well established by the time she was born. And then they left Kenya when things took a turn in East Africa. They felt it was safer to go elsewhere because they had lived there while Kenya was still part of the British Empire. They were British citizens, and so they came over to the UK as British citizens. Dad is from India. He was born and raised there, and he came over to sort of seek his fortune, as it were, when he was a teenager. And my parents met in East London, got married, and eventually had me, and had moved over to West London by that point. So, uh, yeah, it's been... Interesting um, in terms of the various cultures that we had at home, we had very much an East African influence as well in terms of food, in terms of some of the language that we used at home. So we do know some words of Swahili as well. And we had the influence from from India as well. And obviously my mum is of Indian origin. I guess, even though she wasn't actually born there. So it it was actually really interesting growing up because, you know, my mum always felt like she was African because that's what she knew. Even though, you know, at home with her family, she would have spoken Punjabi and, you know, eaten Punjabi food. She didn't really have that link herself to India, whereas my dad really did. That was, you know, their little sort of tussle. That was their joke. And then we brought a third sort of mix into it by being born and raised in the UK.
0: That's really interesting. One thing I wanted to ask about was a few of you mentioned the balance between more traditional aspects of your household and like being out at work you know in your personal time it being less so traditional. Like can anyone give insight into what you mean by traditional for those of us who aren't sure?
3: I think a good point to raise with that one would be something that my mum's definitely mentioned which is sort of what to wear to work. So at home, she might prefer to wear something more traditional like a, like an Indian dress. But then if she, she's a pharmacist, so at the pharmacy, she might not feel comfortable wearing that. I think dress is definitely something which, which, is, which springs to mind when you ask that question.
2: It's interesting for me when people are talking about what they're having for tea that particular day. As in, if I told them what I was having for tea that day, I don't think they'd understand what I was saying. Because traditionally, all our dishes are based on, you know, Indian recipes that have been passed down from generation to generation. And they sort of tell a story in itself because it might be that there was particular ingredients around at that time. And just little things like that in conversation where I can't actually articulate or express what I'm having for tea that day because, you know, it's not a common dish, for example.
1: Yeah I resonate with that. My mum was really keen on me bringing leftover food to school when I was younger or like even to the workplace but everyone would turn up with their standard sandwiches and I'd be there with some rodli and some shark and my like my friends they just would be fascinated by the food but I wouldn't know how to explain it to them. Sometimes those words don't translate into English or I don't know the translation into English so I can't articulate it very well but it's a funny scenario when you come across it when people ask what are you having and you're like I just can't explain it to you. (laughs) In your dress in applying for jobs
0: and like entering different workspaces would you dress differently than you would otherwise feel comfortable? I know Vishal you mentioned like what your mum might prefer to
3: wear. I'm in a bit of a weird situation because I was born in Leeds and I was raised obviously in, in Britain so my kind of upbringing has been, I've seen both sides to it, and I feel comfortable either way, actually. I'm quite flexible on that front, personally. But I think it's probably more of a challenge for like my parents, because they you know, were raised in a different country prior to coming to the UK. So their perspective is obviously a little bit different. Personally, I feel okay, you know, wearing a shirt to work, for example, or going out wearing joggers and a hoodie or, or 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 jeans or et cetera. So but I have got I have definitely got friends who, you know, might wear something more traditional out and about.
5: For me, for a very long time, the only formal wear that I had, like fancy stuff, was actually, you know, something Indian so you know maybe it was a lenga or it was a sari and you know if you're going to a black tie event you're like I'm not really sure if I can wear this or if everyone's expecting me to wear a normal dress or something and I think it is actually really cool when someone just decides I'm actually going to wear something that I feel comfortable in and that I already own I haven't actually done that myself I just went out and bought some dress you know just thought "I'll, I'll blend in here I think that's the only time where I think, oh, actually, I've got this really expensive thing that I wore once at a wedding and it'd be quite nice to roll it out again. But I don't know if I can, if it's appropriate. And I I don't know if people are going to look at me really weirdly if I'm wearing, you know, this really pretty Zari, but everyone else is in a dress or in a black tie outfit. But other than that, I don't really think I would be wondering about wearing anything traditional at work because like Vishal like others I was born and raised here so I'm more comfortable in a in a hoodie and jeans than anything else. So
0: now that South Asian Heritage Month is established what has it meant to you? Have you engaged with it outside of the workspace or have you seen it predominantly like via work?
1: Via work! <laughs> <laughs> Introduced to it via Manifa and seeing Paminda's content on LinkedIn as well. It's been pretty useful. <laughs> yeah, I genuinely didn't know it existed, but I'm quite happy after doing some work with it that it does exist. It's really fun to have conversations like this and to relate on things as well that if you speak about to somebody else, they might not quite understand or quite be able to contribute back to the conversation because. They just wouldn't know about it.
5: It means quite a lot to me. you know. As you said, I only started relatively recently. Um, so for most of my working career, before that, it didn't exist. And so it's quite nice now that this is a way to sort of raise the public consciousness about South Asian heritage. And it's, it's, you know, it provides people of South Asian heritage a chance to talk about their backgrounds. It's a chance for allies to listen and understand our histories and to learn that we're not all exactly the same. We don't all come from the same place. We don't all celebrate the same things. We eat different food depending on where our families come from and stuff like that. And I think, I think that's really important. But personally for me, I think one of the reasons why it's really valuable is because I think I was kind of naive when I I was growing up. So I grew up in London, probably 95% of the people in my school, both high school and primary school, were ethnic minorities. And I grew up in this like really diverse area. When I went to uni, that was a bit of a culture shock. And then when I entered the workforce, again, the same thing. I was like, oh, God, (laughs) oh, I really stick out here. And I just, I felt like I had to hide aspects of who I was. Partly that's because of what my parents did. They hid aspects of themselves when they were at work and they told us to sort of, you know, be quiet, don't make noise, you know, just, just sort of be under the radar. That's the sort of mentality that I adopted. So then when, you know, South Asian Heritage Month, began, it's like, oh wait, I can actually talk about who I am and where I come from and not be embarrassed about it or ashamed or have to hide it in any way. And so I think that's why I really like it. It's just sort of allowing people who for a long time have hidden aspects of themselves and to actually come to the forefront and say, hello, you know, let me tell you a little bit about my story.
3: Actually just having these conversations even today has like reminded me of so many things which we were all brought up with. Which are quite unique to to each other, and and actually you, you end up forgetting about it because you just think oh it's just normal or it's just the way it is. So one interesting one was my my granddad, his name was Monsuk, and people at work used to call him Tony, so like just because they must have found that that worked, and he never said anything. He just used to say that's fine, you can call me Tony, I'm not too bothered. But I think nowadays it's actually more important to really embrace who you are and be your authentic self both in and out of work it's nice to see at least in the IP community that we've got we've got this podcast and there seems to be lots of events going on around the area but also just in other professions too I think it's really nice to celebrate what people have achieved in the South kind of from a South Asian kind of background it's amazing where that kind of I think at least in my family there's been a shift from you know, when I was brought up, it was always, you know, you need to be a doctor or you need to do, you know, become a lawyer or do, do you know, all of these dentists, etc. But now it's like definitely a lot more. I feel like the parents at least are a lot more open to allowing their children to consider alternative career paths and what actually they have a inherent kind of passion for. So, yeah, just embracing the successes is what it means to me.
5: You've just reminded me, Michelle, that the names thing. I don't have a nickname at work. As far as I know, (laughs) there was like a whole generation of at least Punjabi families who were naming their kids like Steve Inder or Gary Jeet or something like that. So that they could be shortened to Western names really easily. So bizarre to think about. I remember being really resentful at sometimes because I was like, Oh God, I've been given this really long name. That's really hard to pronounce. And, you know, doesn't often fit into a form when you've got uh, to fill in a form, but now I'm really proud that I've got a name that means something that you know, is is a proper Punjabi name with an actual meaning. And yeah, that's a big part of my sort of heritage and who I am. And I have a middle name as well. So my middle name is Kaur. It means something. And for a long time, I hid that that was my middle name, even though quite often you have to give your initials for things. And, you know, I just used to gloss over what the K was. I was like, I don't want to make it even more complicated for you now to you know throw in this other random sound for you. But now, like, it's there on lots of things. Things. It's on my LinkedIn profile. It's actually on company's house. You know, now that I'm a partner, I'm listed there. And I'm like, yeah, this is really cool. I'm actually embracing the thing that I've hidden for a long time. Things like this, like South Asian Heritage Month, but other broader um, discussions that have been happening for the last sort of eight, nine years in IP, you know, on diversity, have just helped me to sort go, yeah, cool. I can, I can just be myself and reveal who I am, which I know sounds very silly because you can see who I am a little bit, (laughs) Um, but there's still lots of things that you can hide about yourself. I think it's really interesting what you you said about
0: you can see who I am, and it's interesting because I sometimes find that although people can see that I'm a black person, they sometimes might not... acknowledge my full identity for example even that thing of like examples and seeing that your granddad isn't is not white and maybe doesn't have the name Tony but not really acknowledging that he has a name and you can just show him respect by calling him by his name like sometimes there can be a bit of a disconnect where people can definitely see that you're an ethnic minority you come from a different culture you have a different heritage but they're still not like making that leap to like connect with you in that way on these different aspects I also think it's really nice that a lot of you seem to have touched on this like their pride that your family has in your culture and all the things that they immersed you in and how for your generation the way in which you can express that pride is is like slightly different it's like a new challenge to like yeah how can I show this even more so I think that's like a really a really beautiful underlying like you know teaching or something but Amadi for um Hamad like what does do you have anything else to say about what South Asian heritage month means to you
2: for so long for such a massive part of my life I have tried to blend in whether that be at school at work wherever I've always tried to blend in and I think my parents equally when they came to this country they 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 did hide things and again it's all about blending in but this this event this um kind of shines a light on things that we wouldn't ordinarily talk about.
4: Yeah, same here, really. I never really heard about South Asian Heritage Month before this month, essentially. And just like the show, really came up to me in the Leeds office as well and also asked if I wanted to join the podcast. And I was quite reluctant at first, mainly because I'm quite new here. I've already been here about five months and it's the first time doing something like this. I've really enjoyed it. It's nice to be able to like relate to other people who've like shared similar experiences to you, especially in the IP community, which it is predominantly white and you don't generally get to relate to other people on that level. And same thing as Vishal was saying that when we're younger, we get told to either become like an engineer, doctor or lawyer. And I did an engineering degree and I thought that wasn't for me i start my trademark attorney contract next month but it's been so difficult trying to explain to my family what trademark law even is or what IP law is and how I've gone from engineering to IP law essentially and what even is the correlation.
0: Now that we've covered these aspects of your identity, your culture, your heritage, your your faith, do you feel that you bring your full self to work and if so have you always felt that way or has that changed over time?
5: I would say that Over time, and especially in the last few years, I've brought more and more of myself, uh, more and more of my heritage to the workplace. So, for example, using my middle name, talking on LinkedIn or elsewhere about Diwali and Vasaki and and things like that, things that are important to to me. I'll tell you a really silly story. (laughs) One of the things that I've worried about for so long is that people think Indian food is smelly in a bad way or even it's it's actually really fragrant and beautiful but you know there's 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 just been this stereotype for a very very long time and so you know if I do cook something some Punjabi food I don't bring the leftovers to work because I'm just so frightened that someone is going to say oh what's that smell in the kitchen and you know just make a scene because and part of this is just because of that sort of trauma or that that experience that you know my parents said oh you don't take that you just take sandwiches in right and then I I I realized how ridiculous this was recently because one of my colleagues just opened up like a packet of ready-made basmati rice and put it in the in the microwave to heat up or something and I was like what is happening here like I don't understand why he's doing this and I don't just bring in my own rice from home you know it's creating the same sort of smells in the microwave and in the kitchen area I just thought actually I should just start doing that I don't know what's really holding me back anymore just just crack on we talk about going out for a curry after work I don't see why I can't also eat my leftover curry in the office I'm nearly 40 years old. It's taken me quite a long time to get to that point. I'll be honest. I'm hoping other people on this call are not as ashamed or embarrassed about bringing in food or leftovers into the office. But yeah, I think that that's one of the like stupid things that has happened recently. <laughs> but yeah,
2: I've actually brought in samosas for the whole of the Manchester office a couple of times, homemade samosas, and honestly. They love it. they're just like when's when's it happening again?" I like, I can't it takes too much time,, <laughs> but yeah, I understand what you mean, but yeah, I just i like I said, I'm a big foodie, so I embrace it all. <laughs>
5: I remember taking in a big box of Burfi um, for the Bali one one, yeah, and I just sat there sort of really nervous for the whole day, just thinking, are people going to like it or are people going to hate it? And I don't really know why I was bothered, because if they didn't like it, more for me, right? <laughs> but, um, but I was genuinely, like, really worried that people were going to be like, what's this? It's different. It's not like a normal chocolate. Why didn't you just bring in normal chocolate? But I think it's sort of par- partly on us as well to actually share our culture with people and not hide it so if we're willing to just be put ourselves out there then we should go for it and I think things like South Asian Heritage Month allow us to do that a little bit more but sorry Biddy, really, carry on.
1: I was just going to say when I was in school my mum would uh, always encourage me to bring leftovers like I mentioned before if I didn't take it she would say are you embarrassed to take our food to school are you embarrassed to take it to work and that you know, triggered me in one sense, because like, why should I be embarrassed? I love this food. And I also realised that other people love this food too. Like a lot of work dinners can sometimes be going to Indian restaurants. And I always sit and listen to other colleagues marvel about the foods and wonder about what's in it. So if I'm cooking the same food at home, you know, I should be really proud that I can make this food at home to restaurant standard.
0: Yeah, it's it's really good to touch upon like I guess that form of anxiety like I think today when people think about racism sometimes people think about those over slurs and like huge actions and um, that maybe some of us in our generation have experienced or maybe more so it happened in our parents generation but I think We also need to acknowledge that that like sense of anxiety, like worrying about whether someone's going to point you out for being different people, people just making you feel uncomfortable going out of their way. That's like indicative of a slightly hostile environment. That's what racism can also look like. So I don't want anyone to listen to this podcast and think, oh, well, it's all on South Asians to like overcome this hurdle and be louder about who they are I also want anyone who's an ally who's listening to this to also think about inviting that conversation making sure that people feel comfortable and not contributing to this like we should all be the same what are you doing that's different I hope people get that learning from it as well
3: I have a nice little story to share following on from that about a kind of positive story that I experienced at work so I had a colleague I brought some food in on a fuddle and everyone really liked it which was really nice to see and a colleague of mine actually said like not that I would know but how do you make that (laughs) and I had to like text my mom and be like mom, how did you do that because everyone really liked it and that was really nice to see because they must have liked the food so much that she like literally sent me a picture wrote it down on a piece of paper and we sent them the recipe and they gave it a go at home so that was actually a really nice story that colleague particularly enjoyed cooking and she really, really loved it afterwards and sent me a picture. So that was cool to see.
0: That is a nice story. Does anyone else have any like nice stories from work where you've gotten to like connect to someone in a similar way?
5: So in the first year of the pandemic at the Diwali, I think it was one where we were almost able to celebrate and then we went into lockdown, I think. And I remember it being a little bit controversial because they were like, "Oh well, you know, it's it's just happened just now or something," um, when loads of people were about to celebrate. So I think that year, me and my family were going to get together, and then weren't allowed to get together. And so I decided to to make some stuff at home uh, by myself but I remember talking to one of my colleagues and she said I remember when you brought in like barfi at work I, and I've like got some ingredients to make it so then she made it as well for herself and her family and I was like this is really cool because now you know we're not together we can't be together in the office we can't be together in our families but we've shared something together in this a very difficult time as well and I thought that was pretty cool. Also, it's very difficult to make Indian sweets, so <laughs> full kudos to her for actually having a go. Thank you everyone
0: for joining us today. It's been really lovely to hear about your heritage and your backgrounds.
1: Thank you for all your questions today, Manifa. If anyone is interested in learning more about South Asian Heritage Month or IPME, please don't hesitate to contact me, Rudy Patel, or Manifa Phillips on LinkedIn.
0: Thanks for listening to the Green Shoots podcast by Appleyard Lees. If you have a question or issue you would like our IP specialists to discuss on the podcast, then tweet us at appleyardlees or email us at ip